Abhi Yahweh, again, the opportunity to share your word, to be a conduit, to be about your business, Father, and your truth and knowledge and your wisdom. They that have an ear, let them hear, but listen to the message. Go to your word and seek your face. Abhi Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Parakritos, Aman. So, um, kind of an apology, but I'm not sorry. So, I know that doesn't make sense, but here we go. You'll get it. When I get carried away with the Word of God, and I really, really like to share His Word and His truth, His knowledge, and His wisdom, and I am about His business, and I sometimes get excited course you couldn't none of you could tell that that by hearing and paying attention to what I'm sharing with you you couldn't possibly tell that right um, and of course I'm being facetious because I do I get excited when I share the word of God and it's exciting and sometimes I get really carried away and last uh, I shared with you I was talking about the what man and mammon have decided are Christmas carols, which are are not. They're not just for Christmas time. They're not just Christmas carols. And I shared with you that three very recognizable, and then of course there were four specific songs that were shared with me and and I got carried away and you have to understand that I have um I have a specific time frame with this free program that I was given to be able to um utilize this God brought me into this but it gives me time but that's okay he doesn't mind that I get carried away because it's all about his truth and it's not all about me so that being said the other song that I failed to mention when I last shared with you was Oh Holy Night. And I don't know if any of you have ever heard that song or know what I'm speaking of and probably probably one of the prettiest I think I've I've heard shared is um a young singer, and her name, if I get this right, I hope I can get it right. I, I sometimes mess up. But um, I believe her name is pronounced McLaughlin. I believe that's correct. Um, hold on here a second. I'm, I'm double checking that, please. Bear with me. Oops, wrong song. Um, and she does a very, very fine um, rendition of this Oh Holy Night sung by Nina, her name is Nina Nesbitt. 
And again, I remind you that I don't mention these names as a sponsorship because they don't pay me anything to do that. I, I share it because I like them and I share it because they sing from the heart and they sing truth and it's enjoyable. Um, they pay me nothing. I don't get anything for doing what I do here. Well, I actually I do. God's, God takes care of me and he appreciates what I do. So that's the only validation I need. I don't need payment from anybody. I don't need any kind of validation from anybody else. And I've shared with you often, and you hear me say it a lot, that if you are agitated about something that I'm saying, and you find yourself getting your knickers all twisted up about something, um, because you don't think it's what should be shared, or you don't think it's appropriate, um, just remember what I always say, I don't care. And I don't care because your validation is not what's important. The validation of my Lord, my God, is what's important. And brothers and sisters, we all need to express that within our hearts. You don't want to be confrontational with anybody, and you don't want to get in an argument with anybody. But the point of it is, and the reason I share that is because we oftentimes find ourselves trying to validate what we do based on what others around us are saying or thinking about what we do or what we say or how we dress. It's all about that in our mindset. But the reality of our heart should tell us that God is all that's mattered. And that way that transfers to our thought process. And then we can share truth, knowledge, wisdom, kindness, compassion. And it doesn't matter what anybody else is thinking or saying. They might say something crosswise and it might be irritating to some, but because you have that in your heart that it doesn't matter. So then that translates to your mindset, which translates to your mouth and your mouth will speak what your heart is holding. So if you're holding animosity and you're holding validation from anybody else, then you are going to pour out of your mouth. If that garbage is in your heart, you're going to pour that out of that sewage effluent. I've shared this before and I, I use that analogy before is that that's what it comes out to from some. And I really hope that my niece, if she listens to what I'm saying, um, I know she's written some things to me and asked some things, but she plays this thing with this, um, person who claims to be a Christian, I don't, I'm not even sure if he does, makes that claim, but uh, implies that and talks badly about other Christians and talks about God and things in the Bible passages. I think he's supposed to be, but every other word out of his mouth is a cursory expletive and he flips people off and he's got these crazy tattoos, but it's not the tattoos, it's how he speaks and how he shows what he's got so anyway the important thing is that we pray about that and that's what I do I shared with her but I pray and God's answered prayers because she doesn't share so much of his stuff anymore might still listen to him but everything I hear is from a really nice woman who is sharing truth and, and knowledge from the word of God and sharing scriptures. Okay, enough of that point coming here is the holiest of nights, oh holy night, which sings, which she sings of that night when Christ is born. Oh holy night. 
And the first evangelists came to the shepherds on that night. And you're like, what? What is he talking about? Well, what I'm talking about are the angels. When they came to the shepherds on that oh holy night. Outside of the little town of Bethlehem. Because you remember shepherds weren't allowed. They weren't allowed in villages or the towns. Because well they smelled like the animals. People would hire them to take care of the flocks. And they wanted them to do that. But they didn't want them to come around. When the markets were hustling and bustling. And they didn't want them coming into the village. And coming into um sit in any of the public houses and eat with anybody else around. If they did so, they had to take the food and leave. They had to take it to go. And they would go outside the village, back with the animals and the other shepherds, and they would stay there. So in this humble beginning, in this humble little town, in this humble place, these humble men, they were first evangelized by the angels and they came to the shepherds first. They didn't go to the rich people. They didn't go, they didn't even go to the town. They didn't go to Bethlehem first. They came to the shepherds first because they were the ones who were in darkness, always in darkness, always ostracized and alienated. And just as true to the word of God, they were the ones most in need. And even before he began his mission of walking, God responded to that first. The angels came to evangelize the coming of God. And they appeared to the shepherds in fields where they lay. And the night shone bright brightly and the shepherds were afraid but then the angel of the Lord spoke to them and said don't be afraid I bring you good news I bring you glad tidings of great joy being born tonight tonight while you're up here in the fields taking care of the sheep down in the little town of Bethlehem is being born the everlasting king and this is being this night is being sanctified and made holy because of his birth. So, this is all good news. And this is something that you need to be really happy about. Happy, happy, joy, joy. And so you don't need to be afraid. As soon as the angel brought that message, all of a sudden the whole night sky lit up full of angels. And they were singing. The Angelic choir came and sang to the shepherds, the outcasts, the alienated, the ostracized. They sang to them first. They had a private front row seating to the greatest a cappella choir ever that ever was, ever is, and ever will be. The angelic voices sang to them. And then they had to go see. And then, of course, they had to go tell everybody of what they saw. But 
on this holy of nights, the holiest nights, for unto us a king is born. And as I've shared, it's sung, it's sung merely as a Christmas carol, as decided by man. And credit's given to a man in um, 1711, I believe is a year. And then, of course, it was disputed uh, whether he wrote it or somebody else wrote it. And actually, the song comes from a Latin phrase, adeste fideles, which means, come ye faithful. Remember, I've shared that word, uh, and you hear Marine Corps' uh, slogan is a semper Sempre Pireles, which means always faithful. Marines will say it to one another, Semper Fi, which always faithful. And you just share that with each other. The Marines do. But this word comes from a Latin phrase, Adeste Fideles. Come ye faithful. And of course that was altered and translate, retranslated to, Oh, come all ye faithful. So as I've shared with you before, I'm, I give you food for thought that actually Isaiah, and he doesn't get credit for it, but Isaiah, some approximately 700 years, I believe it was, if I did calculation, did the math right, oh, where's the other, so Daniel 7, uh, yeah, a little more than 700 years before our Christ Lord King was born. We can find it actually in Isaiah chapter 2. And starting in verse 3. It's a, it's a call to the faithful. And many people should go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord the house of God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in the paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Uh, they're talking about Christ. And he shall judge among the nations, shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords and plowshares into, and, uh, into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. So the call is going out. And when they when he speaks of the house of Jacob, remember that Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So when he's talking about the house of Jacob, Isaiah is prophesying to Israel. But they're talking about Christ. He's talking about Christ. If you read this, O house of Jacob, come in, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Well, where do we find other scripture about Jesus being the light? Remember, we can find that in John. John 1, 1. John talks about it. Talking about the word, being with God, of God, from God, and then comes manifest and becomes the light. 
and that John is testifying that he's not the light, but he comes to speak of the light. And I'm going to go to John 1, 1, just to help you uh, remember. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was not made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth unto darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through this might believe, but he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So, Several times John speaks of the light. And in Isaiah, O house of Jacob, ye come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. The light of the Lord is that of Christ Jesus. And we find further reference to Christ in Isaiah, and I've shared this with you before, is that if you follow the rule of faith, regula fidelis, and you go from the very front cover to the back cover to the back cover, back to the front cover, and you can interweave, you find that God intertwines this tapestry, and it's a very fine tapestry. It's some of the finest weaving. You find no puckering, you find no buckling in the... Um, and the texture at all. It's all interwoven. And I share that with you because we are following the rule of faith. And we're going into the Old Testament. And there are many, um, goodness gracious, one of my mentors shared it and I can't, I forgot the number. I do apologize. I think, I think he mentioned that over 300, I think it's 300, over 300 times, if you go in the Old Testament, you find references to Christ Jesus. And some of this in Isaiah, we're talking about a little over 700 years before the birth of Christ. And there are others that reference to Jesus Christ that you'll find. And that um, before Jesus was born. They're referencing Jesus Christ. And I've shared with you specific times where the scripture is speaking of Jesus Christ and is actually being seen by individuals. And we find the first one you can find in the book of Daniel, actually, with King Nebuchadnezzar when he threw the three young men into the furnace. And then, of course, he cried out to his counselors. He goes, wait a minute. Didn't we put three? And of course, it was a rhetorical question. Didn't we put three men in there? And why is there a fourth? And he is like unto the Son of God. How does Nebuchadnezzar know what the Son of God looks like? Maybe Daniel had shared with him, but how does Daniel know? Unless it was revealed by the Spirit of God. Because Christ didn't come yet. So you see this food for thought that I'm giving to you? Think and contemplate that God made it known and Christ is actually known and shown. And I've shared with you where 
uh, Jeremiah in the Valley of Jericho. There are other places here, but point in fact, Isaiah shares these scriptures with us to know that Jesus Christ, further speaking of the coming of our King, and Isaiah 7. Oops, did I pass that? I apologize, I think I passed my marker. Shame on me. And in Isaiah 7, 13 through 15, actually. And this we can find comparative scripture in Matthew 1, 23. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David. It is a small thing for you to weary men, but you will ye weary my God also. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know the, and refuse the evil and choose the good. Again, let me remind you, this is some 700 years before the birth of Christ. Behold a virgin. And what was Mary told? Mary was told by Gabriel, God's messenger. You'll call his name Jesus, and he shall be called Emmanuel. Joseph was given that message, and the name Emmanuel means God in us or God with us. But here Isaiah is sharing this some 700 years before the birth of Christ. Now we're going to go over here to Isaiah. Five through seven. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall he uh, shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end, and upon the throne of David, and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. What is Jesus called? That's kind of a rhetorical question because I already know it. It's that getting you stirred up to think about it. He is called the counselor. Prince of Peace, the Lord. And further reading, Isaiah speaks of Christ through much of his writing. And again, remind you that this is a man, a prophet of God, and he is he speaks from the Logos, and he is given Rema. Remember, those are two Greek words that 
mean word, but logos is more of a collection like the Bible is a collection, but God speaks from the Bible and he uses rema, specific scriptures that he brings to us, and specific word. When I study and I'm here, I get rema from God and he tells me to share specific things out of the Bible. I could sit here and read the whole Bible to you, that's logos, but that's not what God wants me to do. He brings me in the Holy Spirit, rouses me sometimes in the wee hours of the morning to get up and come and share the word. I do what I'm told, especially from God. For man, I'm a little more obstinate. I'm an old guy. But when it comes to the word of God, I do that, period. Isaiah Right by that, I apologize. Gosh, I did it again. I had to quit driving like that. Driving like an old man. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I had to mark it right there, too. And this is just a reference back again to Christ being the light. And we find it in Matthew 5. To the law, this is in Isaiah 8, verse 20, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And remember that John shares this. Virtually the same thing, a little, a little different. But if you don't testify to the truth, of the word and that you claim to be you are a, a label head and a self-proclaimed Christian but you don't proclaim the truth being in Christ and that he came as the only begotten son of God and that he is the only begotten son of God and came was crucified and did walk in the flesh in this plane of existence and you don't witness to that you don't testify to that, and you don't even believe it, then you're a liar. You're not a Christian. You're not a true believer. And simple, I mean, the Word of God states that, so don't get your knickers all twisted up at me. And even if you do, I don't care because I'm speaking the truth. Christ Jesus came here, and he died for everyone to have the opportunity, and I share this with you, to give you the opportunity to accept that he did indeed do this for me and you and for our sake, and he saw us from a way far distance. And when he looked down to ask God to forgive us because we don't know what we're doing, he was hanging on the cross and looked down there at the crowd of Pharisees that were busy throwing pebbles and rocks and spitting at him and all that nonsense that they were doing. We were in that crowd. Oh, yes, we were. He saw us there. And he still, he looked up to heaven and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he died. A short while later, he said, into your hands I commend my spirit. They didn't take his life, he gave his life. For me, for you, for that opportunity. So, you go ahead and get your knickers all twisted up if you like, but again, I, I that doesn't bother me. It doesn't really because 
I speak the truth and only the truth, his truth and from word of truth that comes from the word of God. And we have another passage that I want to share with you. We're going to go to... Did I pass? I did. Pass it again. Oh, there, right here. Sorry. And this is also speaking of, and we, we know when this happened too, and I'll share that with you. And um, Isaiah chapter 25, 8 and 9. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall be taken away from off the earth. For the Lord has spoken it. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Well, unfortunately, they, they did. They prayed for the Messiah to come and, and ultimately rebuked him, refused him. And this was the religious leaders. I mean, there were those that were and had been and looked for him and believed it and believed on him and believed his word and his teaching. But there were many that did not. And the religious leaders of the time, because they had political aspirations, they wanted to be in charge, even when the politics of Rome and everybody else was fussing and fighting, they were going to let them be in charge, and that's what they were looking to. So they didn't like the fact that Jesus was pretty much speaking against that, agitated them, annoyed them. But when Jesus was crucified, what was the first thing he did? He went and he wrested the keys of death and of that prison and bondage from Satan. He just took them. He didn't ask permission. He just took the key. That's what the word rested means. W-R-E-S-T. He just reached out, he grabbed that key ring, he gave it a shank and a yank, and Satan let go because of the authority of Christ, he didn't have to ask permission. He didn't go down there and say, okay, Satan, I know that you've had these keys for all this long time, he said, but now I have come to take them. Wasn't anything really polite about it. He went with his authority, whether anything was even said or not, doesn't make any difference. What he did was he reached out and he took those keys of death because before that time, there was fear of death. And I remember that um, as a youngster and having known death around me and seeing death, I was afraid of death. Even as I got older, I was afraid of death. But in walking with God and walking with him and trains. I'm not afraid to die. There is no fear because we are told and in the Bible. What does David tell us in Psalm? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Death is a shadow. It's just another gateway 
And it's the gateway from, unless we are really closely tied with God and we are like Enoch, and then we walk home with him, we are going to pass through that doorway. We're going to pass through that shadow of death, not to be afraid, but it is a doorway. And we are met at the doorway on both sides. The Lord meets us, greets us, and passes with us. And then we're welcomed home. And we will see and meet and greet our loved ones and even those that we didn't realize, but they're going to know, we're going to know each other. And some of those folks may be, have been saved because something that you shared with them. But I'm going to back up for just a minute. And I'm gonna, I need to share this with you. And that Jesus is speaking, or Jesus is being spoken of quite a lot from the book of Isaiah, the old prophet. And that there's actually mention of that. And I'm gonna back up here just a moment. Beg your indulgence, please. And I'm going to share with you why. Well, now I lost it. I do greatly apologize for that. I lost that. I lost the scripture. But Isaiah... Oh, here we go. It's in chapter 11, actually. I apologize. I found it. Thank you, Father. Um, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ear. Who is Isaiah speaking of? And I mention that because I've shared this with you before, is that Jesse is the father of David. And when Samuel was sent to anoint, remember Jesse brought all his sons in and was asked if there was another one, and David was out tending the sheep. He was not yet 18 years old. God had decided that David was going to be the king after Saul because Saul had forsaken his belief and faith in God and had turned his back on God and was doing everything for Saul, everything about Saul. Give me more, give me more, give me more, more, more. I'm Saul and the king. And it annoyed God because Saul had turned his back. David was chosen by God and Samuel was told that you're going to anoint him. 
and Jesse was his father. But importantly is that Jesse's father, Obed, was the son of Boaz and Ruth. And remember that Ruth used to be not so much begging, but she was going out and she was going into the field and getting what was left over after the reapers were already harvesting and done. She was going out picking up what she could so that her and Naomi would survive. Boaz saw her and told his lead men out there in the field, he said, she's going to come and get things. Don't rebuke her. Don't tell her she can't. Let her do it. And also tell some of the reapers that leave some good things. Don't don't just leave the terror. Don't leave the leftover. Leave some good things. Leave some good heads of barley and wheat so that she can get that. He was already infatuated with her because she was very beautiful. But the thing of it is that, as the story goes, Ruth gave up on everything else and told Naomi that she was going to stay with her until death part their ways. And she was going to take on her people as her own and that she was going to take on the God of Naomi as her own God and have faith in God. Hachim, Lord thy God, Yahweh. She was going to do that. She was going to take that as her faith and her belief. So God honored her for doing that thing. And that's what I'm talking about there. Isaiah is talking about uh, Jesse and the house of David. And that's important because if you go down the lineage of Christ, you will see that that is exactly the line that Jesus comes from. His earthly father, Joseph, is of the house of David. Isaiah 42, I would strongly suggest that you read the entire chapter. Read it in its entirety. But I'm going to share with you um, one through nine. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. When Jesus was baptized by John, in the river Jordan, and he came up. What took place? You remember the story, or if you've never read it, or this is your first time hearing it? Jesus came after the tradition to be baptized by water by his earthly cousin, John. They were related. John being born of Elizabeth, the sister of Mary. So that made Jesus Christ, who came to this earth as a man, that made John the baptizer and Jesus' cousins. So Jesus came, and when he came up out of the water, a voice from heaven came, and the clouds parted, and people heard the voice. Some people heard thunder, but John heard the voice. And the Spirit of God came and descended on Christ as a dove and rested on him. And the voice said, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased.
So again, I read verse one, behold my servant whom I will uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall be not quenched. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth, and he shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for his law. Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heaven and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thine and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles to open blind eyes and bring out the prisoners from the prisons and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, and this is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Isaiah is prophesying of Christ Jesus. And that power and authority is given to Jesus by our Heavenly Father the Lord God Almighty. And we find in Isaiah 53, Isaiah is speaking again of Christ and you can, you can go to Matthew 5, and find confirming spiritual guidance as Jesus is speaking of the Beatitudes, as he's teaching the Beatitudes there. And we find, wow, who have believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground and he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. This is a testimony of Jesus. He was not a handsome guy. He was just kind of a regular guy. And people were drawn to him not because of his appearance or his comeliness and that they wow what a good looking guy I want to go see what he's about that's not what Jesus was about it was because of his speech his authority and his strength and his power and his walking on this plane of existence it wasn't because he was like Adonis and a, a good looking guy they followed him because of his authority and his power and how he spoke and how he treated people he was a beautiful man because of his his kindness and his compassion and because of the love of God that came because he was with God from the beginning, the love of God in his heart and he is, is of God from God and is God and came here and walked around with that. And in him, we see God. Further, verse three, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Oh, Jesus. 
Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did not esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord had laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Now, you might not have noticed it as I was sharing with you, but I'm going to share it right now. Because that's what I do. Did you notice as I was reading this, and this prophet, this is the prophecy of Christ some 700 years before it happened. But if you notice where it comes down to his crucifixion, in verse three, he is deep. He is despised and rejected of, rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. You notice how it switched to past tense. Jesus hasn't been born yet, but Isaiah, in his vision, was taken, and he saw these things happening. He was there. He was there. This is this is this is how powerful the word of God is. And when God speaks and he takes you and he brings you with these visions. Wow. And when Isaiah is talking about Christ, I would I would strongly recommend that you read the entire chapter. But we also have a point here that we can find in Chapter 55, Isaiah 55. That when Jesus, or when Isaiah is talking, pardon me, he's talking about feeding. Ho, everyone that thirsts is coming to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy, eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which is satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. So he also says, incline your ear, and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Now we go over to John 6. In John 6, we find this is when 
Jesus's teaching and what happened? He fed the multitude. He satisfied the multitude. He was teaching with the living word, the bread of life, and he also gave them physical sustenance. And how did he do that? Two loaves and five fish. He broke them, blessed them. And he fed the entire multitude. And remember, the multitude was really a lot of people. And Jesus did that. And it didn't cost him anything. He did that because he loved them. And we find here that Isaiah is talking about that very same thing. You come in, you get it free. You don't need to have anything with you. You come and you get it. It's not going to cost you anything. Give it to you free. I'm going to nourish you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to take care of you. And then that living water, remember what he shared with the woman at the well? Yeah, you get water out of this well, but folks are going to be thirsty again. But you come and you take my water, the living water, and you will not thirst. Because what I give you, you can't get in this well. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. It is his truth that I share with you and his truth only. You're in my prayers, my going out, my coming in. Be blessed. And may you have a wonderful and blessed Christmas. If you have time to spend it with your family, if you're going to be with them, have a wonderful Christmas.